I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians. Oh, what a wonderful song. And what spirited worship. Ephesians chapter 6, please. I concluded last Sunday, at least I thought I did, a series of lessons on the power of a spirit-filled life. The two lessons previously dealt with the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the recipe for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so coming into today's lesson, I wondered how it would be uh, fitting from the series I came off. And yet, as I got into this Word and the Holy Spirit led me for what He wanted for today for us, I see that actually it's a continuation of the lessons on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as it relates to our life and our duties. I want to maximize the holiday of Labor Day weekend by speaking to you on that theme. So you are in Ephesians chapter number 6. And if I was looking for it while I was speaking, I would have already found it. But I have it now. Everybody got it? Say amen. It goes like this. It reads, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, which fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, and not to man or men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he'll receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. You masters, meaning you employers, you masters, do the same thing to them, giving up threatening Knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. In reviewing the word this morning earlier, I, I went to the Message Bible. I, I like the way the Message Bible renders this text and it doesn't do it any damage. It's on the screen. I'll read it. You observe it. It says, servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Don't do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. Here's this. And work with a smile on your face. I mean, no, that'll take the anointing. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind, no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are slave or free. And then he speaks to employers, people who work other people. Masters, it's the same with you. No abuse, please. Can I get an amen from those who work for others? And no threats. You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. And he makes no distinction between you or them. So what I want to talk to you about is building job security. How to keep your job. How about this is a good time to talk about how to keep your job. Stretch your hands in my direction. Ask God to anoint me. Come on, help me. When you pray for God to anoint me, it helps me and it helps you and it helps us all. Father, oh, I do feel your anointing. 
I do feel a sense of bonding with this congregation. I'm not here to bore them, to entertain them. And oh God, I don't want the devil to be here to distract them. Let your word fall on good soil. That means our heart and minds. Amen. Open up our hearts, oh God. Break up the fallow ground and let the word of the Lord come in and water it with your anointing. Father, I I just pray as people of God, we'll prosper in these difficult days because we have your word in us and we live by the principles of it. Bring salvation and deliverance through your word. And everybody say amen. And amen it is. Thank you for being seated. You might choose to keep your Bibles open to this passage. This past week, it was announced that the rate of unemployment in America is at 9.7%. This is the highest unemployment has been in our country since 1983, 26 years ago. I mean, say these are difficult times. Yeah. The other day, a banker told me that they in that bank, and particularly their branches, have gone to a 36-hour work week with their employees, 36 hours and no more, and they're not hiring. I mean, when the bankers are suffering, probably difficult days. Companies are cutting back. You already know that. I'm not here to revisit the news with you, but I'm building a case to where we're going to go. Companies are letting people go and laying them off. And some of you are experiencing that in your company. And I trust that maybe that's not been the case with you. But if it has been, you've got a greater master who will take care of you. Companies are tightening, tightening their purse strings because jobs and work orders are not steadily coming in. If you have a job, you are among the blessed. A friend told me this week that a supervisor for McDonald's, the fast food chain, a supervisor for McDonald's in the Atlanta area said to him that college graduates are now applying for jobs, minimum wage, minimum wage jobs, college graduates applying for, in order just to have an income. Well, I admire that. I said, I admire that. Whatever it takes to get it done, until you can do something better, do it. Driving around the metro area, one can see that once thriving car dealerships are closed. Storefronts and parking lots are large buildings and large parking lots. Vacant. Gone. Many building projects of commercial nature have ceased or are putting off further construction because times are uncertain. And my observation is this. If you have a job, you might want to consider this question. What can I do to make sure my job is secure? How can I, in these difficult days, even though the environment I work in at times may be hostile, how can I keep an income coming because people are waiting in line for me to mess up. I'm preaching before I started preaching. What can I do to secure my job? All of you. All of us. And I have some answers from the Word of the Lord, but I have a a thought I want to begin with that I think is worthy of consideration. A bad attitude 
in a matter of seconds, can ruin all the accomplishments we have made through hard work. If you're going to work and you have a bad attitude and everything is doom and gloomy and you're fussing and swearing and can't stand this and can't stand that, you're putting your situation in jeopardy. Because most employers will tell you they can get complaints for free. They ain't going to pay nobody to do it. I'm preaching before I'm preaching. Yeah. There are too many people out there waiting for a job that may not have the skills level that you have, but they are willing to work hard until they get it. That a bad attitude, if you go to work every day with a bad attitude and you work with a bad attitude, even though you are efficient and competent and skilled and maybe hard to replace, a bad attitude can ruin all the accomplishments you've done all week or all year or for the years you work with the company with a bad attitude. God doesn't like a bad attitude. Your spouse doesn't like a bad attitude. Your kids don't like a bad attitude. And your employer, sure enough, don't like a bad attitude. So one of the best ways to keep your job in these economically uncertain times is to keep a good attitude. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That is the foundation of the other things I want to tell you. So I'm just going to do a little teaching this morning because it's from the Holy Ghost to us. Because we are not just worshipers on Sunday. We are people who are in this world. And we are to be salt and light in our world, and especially where we work. Most of our work, waking hours, for those of you who, who work and can and choose to work, most of your waking hours is spent on the job. Why not make it a good situation? Amen? So let me give you some principles for consideration and for application. Number one, please. God is our true employer. Can I get another amen? The Word of God says in Ephesians 6 and 7, our text, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. That's a good thought. Because sometimes the people we're working with or working for can be very difficult. But if we understand that God is the one who is the rewarder and the giver and the blesser. And He'll take care of the unjust and bless the just. He's the one that I'm working for. It'll help you get a whole lot further. Romans 12 and 6 says, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. Give me another amen. Why I mean that God is our employer is while you may have gotten your education from a particular university or technical college, maybe you have natural innate gifts and talents that cause you to be where you are, just remember that God gave you the education and God gave you the gift and work with that in mind. God is our employer. That means in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen, church. I want you to understand that Colossians 3 and 23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So since God is our true employer, we ought to go to work with a smile on our face. We should be thinking, how can I please my true employer today? Because some of us have that worldly mentality that we're working for the man. Well, I know your boss or, or, or whomever it may, may be the man as far as your job, but you're really working for the one who has superiority and who has control over the employer and the employee and the whole company because God is the one who gives the blessings. Amen? So you're really working for God. Maybe sometimes you go to work and you think to yourself, this company does not appreciate my hard work and they don't know the difference I'm making. And they may not, or at least it may look like they don't, but God does. 
Everything is under God's control and God has the final say. So when you work to please God, God will see to it that you are recognized and that you are rewarded. Somebody say amen. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 75 and 6. For no one on earth from the east or west or even from the wilderness can raise up another person. It is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise up and who will fall. The King James Version says it this way, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He put it down one, and He set it up another. Say amen, church. So while I know you're working for a face and a person and a personality and a company with a name, if you remember that you are going to be paid for and rewarded ultimately by God, whether you are under the spotlight or not, whether you have a supervisor working under your, over your shoulder or not, do everything you do as a gift unto God and He will bring your work to those who need to acknowledge it. Here's another thought about keeping your job. The Holy Spirit is your partner to do your job well. In the Gospel of John, three different times, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. In John 14 and 6, and John 15 and 26, and John 16 and 7, Jesus said upon His departure that He's going to pray for, to the Father that the Holy Spirit will come. But Jesus said, I pray the Father that the helper will come unto you. Somebody ought to say, Amen. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to equip you for spiritual work and for worshiping on Sunday alone. God sent the Holy Spirit as our helper to give us wisdom and counsel and strength and to increase our skills and ability in the natural so that we can perform with excellence. Say amen, church. I'm saying to you that I have defined for you a couple Sundays in a row that the anointing of the Lord is defined as the power of God. The anointing of the Lord is defined as a special endowment of God and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And God will give you a special endowment to do your job. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean... If you've got to face an unpleasant customer or client, then ask the helper, the Holy Ghost, to give you calm and comfort so you can do it with grace. If you have to face an irate parent, ask the helper to guard your response that the spirit of slap won't come on you. If you have a boss who is unscrupulous, Ask the Holy Spirit to vindicate you. How many know He'll do it? If you have to take an exam to get to the next level, promotion or raise, if you have to take additional training, if you have to learn to use certain equipment that you don't feel skilled about, read the manual, study for the exam, prepare yourself. Can I get an amen? How many know you got to do something too? Huh? Yeah, you can't take the book and put it under your pillow the night before the exam and say, Holy Ghost, just let it absorb into my brain. 
Mm, that, that, that ain't the case. You got to open the page, read the chapter, kind of do everything you can. But if you want that promotion and you want that raise and you've been doing a good job where you are and you will study and prepare yourself, when you get to that exam or you get to that interview or you get in front of that equipment, God the helper, God the, oh, I feel his anointing on this Labor Day weekend. God the Holy Ghost will give you the capacity and bring to your remembrance what you put in so you can succeed because he's concerned about blessing you. Here's another thought about job security. Learn everything you can about your job. Proverbs 1.5 Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Become an expert at your job, brothers and sisters. If you want to keep your job, Read, research, ask questions so that you don't disqualify yourself from being needed. Know things about your job that other people don't know. You see, some people complain about not getting promoted, not getting a pay increase, not getting recognized. And all the while, they have not moved beyond what they've been doing for their company since the day they were employed, even though there are new ideas, new technology, and new resources available to them. The people who get ahead in the workplace are not the ones who have to be told everything to do. They're not the ones who say, this is not my job description. You're working yourself out of a job fast. Uh, This little Indian is preaching good. The people who secure their job and their position are willing to go outside of their job description. They're willing to roll up their sleeves and put their hand to the plow And say, if this is going to bless my boss and bless my company and give honor to God, it may not be something I want to do every day. But right now, there's an opportunity to make a difference. And I think I will. Oh, don't be shouting me down when it's going so good. I'm talking about keeping your job. I'm talking about securing your position. And the way to do it is learn everything you can about it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm of the old school. Yeah, you'll be out of job with the old school. I'm out of the, I'm of the old school too, but I gotta le- learn some of the new school stuff in order to be needed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another thought about keeping your job. Remember that work is a privilege and not a punishment. Oh, but pastor, you don't know where I work. How many know that God puts you in places with the anointing He gives you to make a difference? And God will not always put us in the perfect environment so we can be at ease. There's a reason why we have the anointing. That company has a need. That company has a problem. And God has put you in that difficult situation so that you can be a part of doing something that affects a change and blessing somebody else while you use the gifts and talents God's given you. Give me an amen, church. So remember that work is a privilege and not a punishment. And in these days and times of financial uncertainty, layoffs and cutbacks... In these days and times of rising interest rate and rising prices, work is a privilege, church. That we get to get a paycheck and buy groceries and pay the utilities and make the mortgage and make the car payment and dress in clean clothes. Work is a privilege and not a punishment. Work becomes a punishment when all we ever live for is a paycheck. Yeah. 
Work becomes a punishment when all we ever do is stare at the clock. When we clock in at 8.30, wondering when 5 o'clock's going to come. I'm a preacher now. Work becomes a punishment when all we're doing it for is the money. Work becomes a punishment when we take our paycheck and blow it on the nightlife with some habit or some hang-up that only brings momentary satisfaction. Work becomes a punishment when you party till 2 o'clock in the morning and you come home stone drunk and you got to go to work the next day and somebody else has got to carry your load and make you look good. That's not God's plan. But somebody ought to praise the Lord. Work becomes a punishment when you're watching everybody else do it and you or yourself ought to be doing what they're getting paid for and you're getting paid for. And I'm not trying to be unkind here, but if work becomes a punishment for you and your attitude shows it, somebody is going to let you go. But if you want to keep your work, understand that Jesus Christ was called to do some things that he just, it was not very pleasant for him. It was called a bitter cup. Can I get an Amen. Dealing with people is an unpleasant business. Jesus knows that. Can I get a witness, somebody? Moses told the Lord on one occasion, why did you give me these people to lead? Because dealing with people can make you have a rough life. I mean, not just the person you're married to or the people in your house. I mean, all around you. People can be difficult. Give me, oh, Jesus, help me here this morning. But if we expect a full day's wages... We're working for God. We ought to make a full day's effort. Oh, let me tell you something. You know why somebody go hang you the pink slip or lay you off? It's not always because things are bad in the company. Because your attitude's bad. And they ain't even going to tell you why. They're just going to give it to you and thank God and Greyhound you're gone. And you all remember Greyhound bus line? I'm trying to get you to keep your job. I, I, oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Some of the laziest people in this world are preachers. Don't say amen. I'm telling you. Some of the laziest preachers, people in this world are pastors and preachers. I know them. And, 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 and some of us who, who work for ourselves and work for the Lord, all of us do, that we may not have to punch in at a time clock a certain hour of the morning or the night or otherwise be there because of somebody else over our shoulder can often be tempted to just be lazy and indifferent, just collect. What I'm telling you is what I believe I should practice. And that's what I try to practice. And I, if I can do a better job, I want to do it. I, I won't tell you, as a pastor, sometimes dealing with people can be difficult. But God didn't call me to complain and bellyache and gripe. Jesus Christ suffered far more than any of you and I could suffer. But thank God there's a reward for living right, praying right, acting right, treating people right. Even though people don't treat you right. If you'll do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, God will bless you. Yeah. Here's something else you may not like, but I'm going to say it. Avoid flattery and undeserved praise. In Proverbs 26 and 8, the Bible says, honoring a fool is like, as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. That makes you laugh, doesn't it? You try tying a stone to a slingshot and shooting that thing off, it'll come back and knock your eyes out. That's foolish. Verse 28, Proverbs 26, a lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering words cause ruin. Here's the truth of the matter. We should not expect to be praised for what we are paying, being paid for to do. Thank you. I will. We should not expect to be praised for what we're being paid for to do. 
You are praised when you go above and beyond the call of duty. You see, some people always want to be encouraged for everything they do. If you always have to be soothed and stroked for something you're supposed to be doing anyhow, you'll soon make yourself unnecessary. Think about this. If you hire somebody to cut your yard and lawn mow and weed your yard, and then five minutes you've got to go outside and say, that's a nice row you just made in that lawnmower. Keep it up. Next five minutes, you're going to say, you know, you got the height of that grass just like I like it. Keep it up. Every five minutes, you've got to go out there and soothe and stroke, and you're paying good money for that. You know what you'll soon do? You'll soon snatch that lawnmower off of them, their hands and say, hit the road, Jack. I can do this myself. And I, I'm saying to you that you are being paid. When you go to work, you're not going to work to get compliments and flattery and praise. And if it comes, thank you, Jesus. But you're already getting paid for this. Okay? And so, my, my word to you is, when you go the extra mile, when you go above and beyond, and you get any praise and flattery, thank you, Jesus. But you know, we get, you ought to get praise and flattery and thanks at your home or your relationship with your friends. But not necessarily the job. Okay? So don't feel bad if you don't get praise and flattery. I, I've, I've learned to deal with that over the years as a preacher. There are, there are over 1,000 members in this church. 1,034. On an average Sunday, I'll get about three compliments on my sermon. Y'all didn't know that, did you? And if you come complimenting me Sunday, I'll know it ain't real. I, I kid you not. Man, sometimes I preach my liver and my lungs out, and I got the whoop glories going, and I've studied for hours, and people walk out of here like, well, that's just him. And I, it used to bother me as a young, more uh, uninformed, unwise preacher. And I sure I want to be complimented. Sure everybody wants to know you do a good job. But on the average, I may get about five compliments from hundreds of people who come and go. But I've come to understand that I'm doing a work for the Lord Jesus Christ. I come to understand some of what I says is not necessarily complimentary. I come to understand that Jesus didn't come to be soothed and stroked and pampered. we got a work to do and God's called us to do it. And we got to get out there sometimes whether we like it or not and do it for the glory of God and change our world. Somebody's thinking, well, you know, you're not very encouraging, are you? Well, if you do something to get encouraged for, we'll encourage you. <laughs> Move right on. Keep good records of accomplished, asked for task. And here's why I say this What are you saving your employer? How are you benefiting the place where you work? If you want to keep your job, you need to show or be able to show how much increase is coming in because of you. How is productivity up because of your employment? You see, you are there, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. You are where you work to grow the business or ministry, not to become a consumer. You are there where you work, church ministry, or where you work in a secular asset. You are there to be an asset to your employer, not a liability. And if you are helping your company multiply its business and assets, then no one will stop you from moving up. Can I get an amen? If you are helping your company to accomplish its goals, then God will speak to those who are over you, even though you think they're ignoring you. And God will speak to those who are in charge, who write the paycheck, and he'll say this to them. Proverbs 3.27. 
Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Can I get an amen? Yeah. God will speak to owners of companies and employers and supervisors and managers. If you are an asset and a blessing to your company, God will wake them up in the night. God will speak to them in the car while they're driving. God will say it's time to do good for that person because they've done good to you. Let me show you something else. Do more than is expected of you. I want to keep my job, Pastor. I'm telling you, we are in days and times where people have worked for companies they thought they were going to retire from. And the economy and the nature of inflation, well, not so much inflation as it is unemployment, is causing people to realize that their position is in jeopardy and it has nothing to do with previous longevity. Matthew 5, 40 and 41 says, If you are ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give him your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. I mean, no, they'll take the anointing to do that. But the anointing is available. And I am saying to all of us this morning, if we want our employer's attention, I didn't put it on the screen, but if you want your employer's attention, you got to do three things. you got to do, number one, what they ask you to do. Number two, you have to do it fast. And number three, you have to do it right. Your boss calls you in or emails you or uh, gives you a voicemail or some sort of directive that I'd like to have this particular item. There's an urgency on it. And you say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That doesn't mean they want it tomorrow. They want it now. So you got to do what you ask to do. Do it fast and do it right. Because here's what I've learned about God's reward system. I have learned that extra effort... Brings extra reward. As an employee, don't demand your rights. Pray about it. In the right context, in the right spirit, you can present your case. But employees who give ultimatums to the employers will put their job situation at risk. Do more than is expected of you. Exceed expectations. I remember an account in the Old Testament, and I won't take the time to go into the details, but it involves the fact that Abraham commissioned his most trusted servant, Eliezer, to go find a bride for his son Isaac. And Eliezer was going to a strange land a long distance away to a people he didn't know who they were and had never met before. Because Abraham said, I don't want my son, to marry a woman from the tribes and peoples around us. We're in a strange land, but God sent me here to do a work. I want my son, Isaac, to have a wife from our own people. You remember Eliezer said to God, God, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this, but he takes ten camels and he takes goods and he takes jewelries and he takes clothing and all kinds of stuff in order to find the bride-to-be. He says, God, what am I going to do? said his master, what am I going to do? I've never been there before. I don't know who they are. I don't know uh, who I'll meet. And his master said, you go. God will be with you. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll be responsible. You remember he told the Lord, he said, Lord, as he came to a certain well of water, an oasis, after journeying many miles, maybe several days, it was time to water the camels. 
And he said to the Lord, God, if I found favor with you, let a maiden offer to get me a drink of water from the well where she goes and draws the water and soothe my thirst. And Lord, if I found favor with you, let her, without me telling her, that same maiden offer to give my camels water also. You know the story, many of you. Rebecca comes to the well. She's one of Laban's family member. And he doesn't know her as Rebecca until they're formally introduced. She's a stranger. She goes down to the well. She lowers the clay-like, bucket-like device that is attached to the rope where the handle of the well is. And it goes all the way down. And she cranks it back up and fills her, her pottery jar with maybe three or four gallons because they would come with larger containers than a one-gallon container. And she proceeds to climb up the steps to go back to her father's house carrying the water. But then all of a sudden, unbeknowing to why she does it, she sees this stranger and she offers him a drink. And so he holds out his hands and cups his hands and she pours the water in and he drinks to his satisfaction. And when, when he is finished, and she said, you know what? I'm going to water your camels also. And he knows what that means and she knows what that means. Because camels are beasts of burdens. They can travel for hours and days without a drink of water. But when they get ready to drink, they can consume. Each camel consume as much as 8 to 10 gallons of water. And there were 10 camels in the entourage. Anybody hearing me? That girl's going to have to draw 100 gallons of water for smelly, nasty camels. Camels she don't even know. Had not even met the camel. <laughs> so it's going to take another maybe two or three hours. She don't have any agenda but kindness. And little did she know by going the extra mile. Help me, Holy Spirit, and you are. Thank you. Little did she know by doing more than was expected of her to a stranger. Little did she know that by obeying the Lord and giving water to a stranger and his camels, just because she was working for God anyhow, that by the time she got through doing that, he put a ring on her finger, he put bracelets on her wrists, and he asked her where she lived and went to a family's house and told his mission. He gave her mother jewelry, he gave the family clothing and possessions, and he left town not many days after, and she was riding on the camelback going to be the wife of Isaac and to become the mother of many people so numerous, they're as numerous as the stars of the heaven, because I won't tell you, if you do more than is expected of you and you do it for the glory of God and you do it with the right attitude, God will see to it that you are rewarded. Everybody ought to praise the Lord. Okay. I, I got to hurry here. Do not gossip. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three says, if you keep your mouth shut, you will stay out of trouble. Can I get a witness? I mean, that works more than just in the workplace. I mean, no, don't raise your hand. It works in your marriage. Don't raise your hands, Phil. I told you not to do that. If you keep your mouth shut, you will stay out of trouble. How many know 1 Thessalonians 4.11? This should be your ambition to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as you were commanded before. Your business on your job is not to curry favor with your fellow employees. Don't gossip. Don't have fried boss for lunch. And while I'm at it, don't have fried preacher for dinner. Oh, I feel a whoop yeah. Your business on your job is 
not to curry favor and buddy and chum up with gossiping people who hate the job and hate the boss and all they have is vulgarity in their thoughts about where they are. You and my business is to pray for those who despitefully use us. Love your enemies. Can I get an amen here? Don't gossip. Don't let your ears be a garbage bin. Don't let your body be a garbage bin. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Don't gossip. I'm telling you because God doesn't get any glory. If you got a concern, if you got a burden, if you got a brokenness, find you some private place and spend time with God. And if you got a good confidant, a good friend, your husband or your wife and you're carrying this, then find a nice time to share with them so they can pray with you. But gossip only leads to trouble. Let me move on. Ask for help when you need it. Proverbs 25, 5 and 6, 4, 24, 5 and 6 says, The wise are mightier than the strong. And those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. You know, sometimes our own pride will be our source of downfall. Sometimes because we want to look better than we really are, we don't ask for help and we end up worse than we intended to be. If a task is too big for you, ask for help. If something has not been explained to your satisfaction and you may seem like you're disrupting everybody and stealing all the time and you feel bad about that, find somebody in the group after the meeting is over and ask for a little help. Somebody say amen. I want to tell you, buddy, I am not technologically savvy. I have a difficult time with DVDs and computers and anything, you know, iPod. My, my, my sister Lister bought me one of these little small little iPod things you put on, you know, for my birthday about two years ago. A little something and, and to walk with and maybe while, while just, you know, doing some other things and a little buds you put in your ear. And she downloaded stuff for me that she thought I would enjoy initially. Two years ago, she downloaded sermons. She downloaded songs. And she even downloaded Whitney Houston and Madonna. I'm thinking, what is wrong with my sister? Ain't you saved, girl? (laughs) They were presentable songs. Uh, And and she downloaded gospel quartets and preaching and teaching. Two years. She showed me how to connect it to the computer so I could download some more. She gave me a card so you could buy some more stuff on the computer, you know, songs and all. I want to tell you, Josh, you know how much I've done between two years and now with all the addition that she's given me? Zero. 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 That tells you that I'm a, I need this sermon. I need to learn more. You understand? What I'm saying is, so I have to ask for a little help. Don't come buying our children presents for Christmas or birthday with the sign on it that says, Assembly needed. How many of us right out of the pit of hell? You'll need a pies, a hammer, and a screwdriver. Assembly needed. You know how I get it done? Oh, Valerie. Got something for you, girl. Need some help. How many know it's all right to ask for help? Are you all okay with me or are you just okay? Thank you, friends. Be honest about mistakes and make certain that you take responsibility. Anybody ever messed up before? Say amen. Amen. We're just housed in flesh. And if you make a mistake and you blew it, 
You didn't mean to. You didn't premeditate. You're not trying to sabotage the company. But you made a mistake. Your subtraction didn't work out. Your addition didn't work out. The order that you ordered came in, but it wasn't what you ordered. How many of those things happen? You know, you, you didn't meet the deadline. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. That's, this, that's in the realm of, of sin and temptation and wickedness that can send us to hell. If, 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 and we don't need to hide it, but in the realm of our work, in the realm of our responsibilities, we mess up and we make mistakes and we don't mean to. Go to those who are in charge and, and sincerely say, I messed up. I take responsibility. Because I'm not hired on my job and neither are you to blame somebody else for my mistakes. Okay, a couple more. Don't take things personally. Use criticism to your advantage. Amen, church? Boy, that's sometimes hard to do too. You know, you've given your best. You've stayed extra hours. This project deadline was this Friday and you came early and you stayed at night. You took your computer and you went home and you done it. I mean, you were trying to think of every possible way that your boss, your supervisor, your employer could be pleased with this. And you went the extra mile. Sacrifice of your family. Sacrifice dinner. Sacrifice a ball game with your kids. Sacrifice a special event. Because you wanted to meet that deadline and impress your employer. And everything they had to say was not good. You know what you got to do sometimes? You just got to take it and use it to your advantage. Amen, church? Yeah. You got to say, okay, God, you're the boss anyhow. And you're the rewarder. And I'm just going to let this criticism work to sharpen me. Can I get an amen? Lord, I'm going to let this criticism help me to be a better student and a better learner. And if you do, It'll change your situation. This is the last thought. Be a problem solver. The Word of God says in Romans 15 and 2, We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Even, for even Christ didn't leave, live, pardon me, to please himself. Where you work, really solve things. Just don't uncover them. Some people see it as their responsibility to point out everything is wrong. And that that won't give you job security. If you got a concern or something's wrong, bring the concern or the complaint to the right source, but along with it, bring a possible solution. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah. Things go wrong. There are problems. But you know why your boss employed you? Because he wanted you to be a problem solver. And the more problems you solve, the better the likelihood of raises and promotions. Listen to this preacher. Okay? It's a little different from what I preached the last five Sundays, but it's needed. Your destiny and your financial blessings... And your job satisfaction often depends on the kind of problems you choose to solve. Now, I mean no disregard here or disrespect 
I qualify what I'm going to say by telling you that my first job ever was working for Hardee's, flipping hamburgers in Malden, South Carolina, as a high school student, making $1.65 an hour. And I found out that you could go across the street to Barlow's supermarket and make $1.65 an hour and get tips for taking out groceries. So I worked for Hardee's for two weeks. And I went over to Barlow's. Okay, so when I say this, I don't mean anything of disrespect. Just trying to make a point. If all you choose for your whole life is to flip hamburgers at minimum wage, and that's the only problem you want to solve, as far as you don't get. Okay? Uh, there's some people who choose to solve bigger problems, they get paid $10 an hour. Because they choose bigger problems and they qualify themselves. Doctors choose to solve medical problems and you know what they make. Lawyers choose to solve legal problems. and Of course, they have to go to school like doctors and others and qualify themselves. And they make about $350 an hour depending on the case they're in. I'm saying to you, be a problem solver. Your value to your employer, listen to this, is in direct proportion to the problems you're willing to solve for them. I say this to your knowledge and and for your wisdom that if you are causing problems for your employer, you're not going to be there long. Whether Whether people smile or frown when you walk into a room is in direct proportion to the problems you're willing to solve for them. You know what? I'm going to tell you this as a pastor. And the people who value, a person who value good work habits. I'd rather do something myself than to deal with somebody with a lousy attitude. I'd rather do something myself. Go change a light bulb or vacuum a floor or clean the toilet or pick up the stuff out of the parking lot or, or make the phone call or write the letter. If I got to deal with somebody who's causing me problems. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you that these are economically uncertain times and God will bless those who help solve problems. The moment we create more problems than we solve, we put ourselves in jeopardy. So, stand everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God's desire is for you to prosper and be in good health. God's desire is for you to be a shining light where you work and where you live. God's desire is for you to retire well. Can I get an amen if that's your desire? And He intends to help you. If you how many of you here this morning, you work for somebody else? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Put them down. How many work for yourself? Raise your hands. How many employ other people or are responsible for other people's income? Raise your hands. Talking to everybody. Just about everybody. And I'm telling you this morning that God's got a special mark on you to bless you. But Satan's got some ways of causing you and me to adopt some attitudes that will take away our joy. Bow your heads, everybody. I thank you, Jesus. And I praise you and I bless you. I know this is a kind of a different route that we went this morning. But I offer it up, O oh Lord, as instruction from your word. And I pray that Satan would not take anything said today and cause even a more sour and distasteful manifestation. O oh, Heavenly Father.
I thank you today that David said and he lived this way. Never has the righteous been forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And we want your strength in Jesus' name. Now here's the invitation. Pastor Allen.